welcome to the Medical Receptionist Network podcast show. I'm your host, Siobhan Atkins. Join us as we discuss the importance of clerical and administrative roles and their impact on the healthcare industry. Hello, welcome to the Medical Receptionist podcast show. I'm your host, Siobhan Atkins. This is episode 21. Thank you so much for joining me. I always like to remind you guys to visit our website at medicalreceptionistnetwork.com. We definitely have a link for you guys to check out the CPR and basic life support training through pro trainings. There's a discount code available on my website. They have different COVID course along with, they have different safety courses. They have a PALS course, even HIPAA is available on there. So if you need some work-related training, please feel free to browse their website. I was very impressed by their CPR training course that was fully online, very informative, very easy to follow. Also, if you're into journals, we have two links there that have some discount attached for the self-journal, the Law of Attraction journal. The self-journal definitely will help you keep organized and the law of attraction helps you get those positive affirmations and you know keep your mind in a more positive space as we're working in this healthcare world. Also if you wear glasses like myself we have a link for Zelo where there's a buy one get one 50% off. They have very sturdy reliable beautiful frames so please check that out whether you wear prescription or not even sunglasses they have all of that available very reasonable prices. So today I figured we could talk a little bit about professionally speaking, or how you can better communicate with your patients. So in an office setting, you're usually moving really quickly, you have phone calls to answer, you're dealing with people checking in, patients checking out. You know, you have sometimes when you work in an office that have longer term tests or two-part tests where people are actually coming in, they have something done, they have to wait for a certain amount of time before they either have the other test done or maybe they have to wait after having some kind of injection and they have to check back in with you. So there's always a lot going on, um, you know, if someone's receiving treatments and different things like that. So sometimes, you know, we're rushing and we're, we're not always giving our best in the communication area. So we gotta start with eye contact. If someone's in the office with you, make eye contact with that person just so that they know that you, for one, are speaking to them that you are giving them your undivided attention for that moment. Recently, I actually, I was on an elevator with a couple and of course we're wearing our masks and the husband said, you know, we had, there was a joke of something with the numbers. I think someone pressed the wrong number. We we're kind of going up and down and I said something and he laughed and his wife said, what did she say? And at that moment, I realized that she was partially deaf. So, of course, we're in the elevator, so I didn't want to take off my mask. But when we got off, I did move my mask down and I, you know, I said something directly to her. And he actually thanked me for doing that. And I just could imagine her experience right now, especially with the mask where, you know, she can hear some, but she really relies on reading your lips. So when you have patients coming in, especially, you know, you just don't know, you know, if people have any hearing impairment giving that eye contact means that you're looking up, you're not looking down, you know? And plus when you're looking up and making direct eye contact, you can also see someone's facial expression. It kind of lets you know that, that the patient understands what you're saying or asking of them. And if their facial expression may say, oh, I have no idea what you're talking about. So, you know, it's good to be looking at the person you're speaking to. And another area of communication is sticking to the topic. If someone comes in or calls for an appointment, and then they start kind of going off about something else, always bring it back to, okay, 
you know, we have this date available. This is the reason that you're coming in. Confirm with them and just bring it back to that. Don't let them go on and say, well, you know, when I was there eight weeks ago, this happened. And, you know, I, I went to eight other doctors and now I'm coming here, you know, try to stay, stick to the topic so that you don't make any mistakes. And then you can go into any other questions they may have and you can redirect the patient and say, hey, you know what, let me get your appointment scheduled because I've had times where you're in a screen, especially in your busier practices, you're ready to make an appointment and you haven't been able to confirm everything. And then by the time you click to save, someone else has already taken that appointment. So you just want to kind of stick to the topic, deal with one issue at a time with the patient. If they need an appointment, if a message needs to go somewhere, if they're seeking results, if they just have a question for a nurse or about something that they're going to have done, just, you know, do one thing at a time that keeps you organized and that keeps them organized. And then you can recap at the end of that call, everything that you guys have done. Also, make your patients feel like an individual, not a number. Sometimes someone may call and perhaps they ask you about test results. Instead of saying, oh, we've been too busy, the provider hasn't reviewed your results. You know, you can say something more to the effect of due to the volume of results we've, you know, reviewed this week, we've experienced some, some, you know, delays in our callbacks, but I will definitely have a nurse or physician give you a call back with that information. You know, it's just the, in the way you say things. We don't want to make people feel like a number and like their care or their results or whatever it is that they need is not as important as the other patients that are being treated. Also using words like yes, instead of yeah, you know, we're very casual uh, times, a very casual society. And, and, you know, depending where you are, where you grew up, how you, you know, speak to other people, you may bring that into your office. And sometimes it's fine. And then sometimes you have one patient who is just not okay with any use of kind of like slang terminology or, or different, you know, some people call everyone sweetheart and things like that. And sometimes that's just not it's not okay. It's not necessarily always professional. Sometimes people are fine with that. It makes people feel kind of comfortable and at ease. And also depending on who's delivering it, which, you know, but you never know. So sometimes it's better to just not use those kind of terms of endearment with people who you have never met before, or maybe have only, you know, been in their presence once or twice. Um, and some patients will never say anything. Other people mind and other people absolutely uh, despise to be referred to that way um, in a professional setting. So you just have to read the room. And also if that's something that has ever come up with your management or, you know, your supervisor of something that you're doing, just understand that while that may be kind of a normal way to speak to people for you, it may not be professional for your office. And if they ask you not to do it, you probably should not do that anymore. Also, if you are frustrated or dealing with a difficult patient sometimes it is better to take a second before you respond to them last episode we talked about taking a deep breath before you respond sometimes you have to put people on hold sometimes you have to step away but you can't just walk away from people you can't just put people on hold without saying i'm going to place you on a brief hold you know always keep your professional your professionalism together while you're dealing with that but Definitely, I know that there are times where some people are very rude and you want to make sure you still help them, but if you need a minute, you can take a minute or if you need to pass that on to your manager 
or someone else who can better serve this particular patient or client, then you can do that, but you can still do it in a professional way without returning their same level of energy or, or being rude uh, to that patient. But I always say that you should not, you know, if you were working the front desk and you have management and supervising staff, you should not have to deal with but so much and if you have someone who's on the phone and they're being abusive you have someone at the front desk that maybe is raising their voice those things need to really be redirected to management that's what we are here for we are supposed to be able to take on those things because if we're not patient facing all day long and you're dealing with every single patient coming in the least we can do is help you deal with a more irate patient because as the manager that's something we should be equipped to handle for you and that's how you can feel supported. So hopefully you, you all have that support within your environment that you're working in currently. The other thing I would say for being professional is if you don't know the answer to a question, don't answer it. Imagine someone calls and then they ask you, well, do you know how long I'll be out of work after I have this procedure done? And you say, oh, I think it's about three days, but I'll have a nurse call you back. The nurse calls them back and says, yes, it's, it's a disability time of three weeks. So this patient is in there, even if it was a short period of time between when they called and when the nurse called them back, they're thinking, oh, three days, you know, oh, that's fine. I don't even have to fill out any paperwork. And then the nurse calls and says three weeks. Like if you have no idea about something, don't even answer the question. Just say, I will get someone who knows the answer to that question to help you. If you do know the answer, obviously, yes, great. Very helpful. Provide that information to the patient. But if you don't know things, don't just assume based on just something that you, you think, because that just causes confusion. It makes the office look like you, know, you don't know what's going on and, and things like that. So it's just better to not answer the clinical or clinical related questions if you do not know the answer or if you are not authorized to do that in your setting, in your practice, your facility, your hospital, wherever you're working. Okay. Um, we've discussed this before. Smiling while talking often helps bring up your energy doesn't make you sound bad or down or annoyed so if you can you know put a little smile on your face especially in your tougher days just to help you get through the calls or acknowledging the patients in front of you you can do that it's very helpful lightens up the the mood a bit and also acknowledging that you understand your patient's request uh, you can do that by repeating things back to them as far as a message that you're taking or you know some something like if someone uh, had a, a refill request you can say okay so we're going to refill your x y and z medication for three months with the walgreens on uh front street and they can say yes to you so that way there's no confusion about which store which prescription how much they need you've gotten all the information and you read it back to them you got a confirmation that reduces errors right away the nurse or the medical assistant who is going to fill that will not need to call the patient back because they have all the information. But acknowledging the understanding, whether it's, you know, even if it's not a prescription, perhaps it's just a question that your patient had, um, make sure you are, you know, getting the facts down, getting everything and taking that extra moment to just acknowledge, okay, so you wanted to know about your procedure scheduled on February 5th and the recovery time, correct? Yes, okay, great and you go on. So just using some of those little techniques to stay professional and to keep your patients engaged and to let them know that you care and that you're engaging with them and transferring the information that they're either requesting or in need of eye contact 
and just being a good communicator is very helpful when working at the front desk. So today I have two quick funnies. I'll read them out here and then we're going to go. Today our word of the day is actually not a word. It's a department of the U.S. Department of Health. So I'm going to go into that. But first let's read our funny from GetReferralMD.com. So it says, during a patient's two-week follow-up appointment with his cardiologist, he informed me, his doctor, that he was having trouble with one of his medications. Which one? I asked. The patch. The nurse told me to put on a new one every six hours, and now I'm running out of places to put it. <laughs> I had him quickly undress and discovered what I hoped I wouldn't see. Yes, the man had over 50 patches on his body. Now the instructions include removal of the old patch before applying a new one. This was submitted by Dr. Rebecca St. Clair. So yes, communication is everything, right? Because you cannot assume that people know what to do. While something is common sense to you, it may not be that for another person. So it's very important that you're not going into work and not being clear. So it's very important your communication style with your patients. Have you ever had anything like this in your office? Could you imagine someone coming in with 50 patches? Oh my goodness. So the other, the other one here says, I was caring for a woman and asked, so how's your breakfast this morning? She said, it's very good, except the Kentucky jelly. I can't seem to get used to the taste, the patient replied. I then asked to see the jelly and the woman produced a foil packet labeled KY jelly. Yikes. That was submitted by Dr. Leonard Kranzdorf to the GetReferralMD.com. So, hmm, interesting. So anyway, we are going to go into our word of the day, which is really our department of the day, which is OIG, which is the part of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, the Office of Inspector General. Now, who are they? And this information comes directly from their website, and I will link that to our show notes. So in case you have any interest in learning more about the Office of Inspector General, they are the largest civilian office of inspector general responsible for oversight of the Department of Health and Human Services, approximately 2.8 trillion portfolio of programs, approximately 1,650 auditors, investigators, and evaluators supplemented by staff and expertise in law, technology, cybersecurity, data analytics, statistics, medicine, economics, health policy, and management and administration. Based on federal employment viewpoint survey scores, OIG has been ranked the best place to work in HHS for six consecutive years by the Partnership for Public Service. An independent, objective oversight agency with dual reporting responsibility to the Secretary of Health and Human Services and to Congress. And it says what we do. As appropriate, OIG works with the Health and Human Services Staff and Operating Divisions, the Department of Justice, the executive branch agencies, Congress, states, and private sector representatives to achieve systemic improvements, improved compliance, successful enforcement actions, and recovery of misspent funds. OIG work is conducted in accordance with the Council of the Inspector General on Integrity and Efficiency, Quality Standards for Inspection and Evaluation, the U.S. Government Accountability Office and Government Auditing Standards, and the CIGIE Quality Standards for Investigations. Their work includes advanced data analytics and modeling, criminal, civil, and administrative investigations, compliance guidance and education, technical 
expertise on program integrity issues and cybersecurity oversight. And the last piece of information that I'm going to share, it says how we plan our work. It says in evaluating potential projects to undertake, we consider several factors, including mandatory requirements set forth in laws, regulation, and or other directives, requests made by concerns raised by Congress or Health and Human Services or the Office of Management and Budget, top management challenges facing the Health and Human Services, work performed by other oversight organizations, management's act to implement OIG recommendations for previous reviews and potential for positive impact. So that's just one of the departments under the Health and Human Services. And you can report fraud to this department. They have a hotline, they have phone numbers, and it's the HHS OIG public hotline for reporting fraud. So they do investigate fraud in healthcare as well. So you can check their website out for more information. If there's other departments you're interested in, you'll find all of that on the website as well. So for today, I just want to definitely thank you all for being a part of our Medical Receptionist Network community. Please feel free to visit our website at medicalreceptionistnetwork.com. We have our course available. We have our book available as always. If you have any questions for us, please email me at info at medicalreceptionistnetwork.com. I'll be happy to speak with you. And this is episode 21. So we will see you very soon with episode 22. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Medical Receptionist Network podcast show. Don't forget to visit our website, medicalreceptionistnetwork.com and subscribe to our newsletter. If you're looking for a great resource for medical receptionists, Make sure you grab your copy of the Medical Receptionist Handbook to Success available on Amazon. Lastly, if you have not subscribed to this podcast, please find us on your favorite podcast player and subscribe today. Until next time, keep being amazing.